Welcome to Modern Ancestral Mamas, a podcast for mamas created by mamas. We discuss ancestral food, cooking, feeding our families, and holistic living with the everyday modern mom. We are Corey and Christine, two mamas on a mission to nourish our families holistically while keeping it real in today's crazy world. Follow us on this adventure and enjoy the stories and information we share. Happy New Year, everyone. We are back with season two of Modern Ancestral Mamas. And I'm here with Corey, my co-host from fornutrientssake.com. And I'm Christine from Nourish the Littles. And we're so glad to be back. We're excited to be recording again in this new year. And Corey, say something. Yay. I'm excited to be back too. <laughs> I don't, you surprised me with that one. I don't usually talk that early. <laughs> um, no, this is, this is going to be a really fun year ahead for us when it comes to podcasting. So we're super excited for all of the interviews that we have and the topics that we're going to cover. So this is episode seven of season two. And we thought it would be good to start the new year. Everyone has resolutions or goals or I feel like a lot of people uh, want to start fresh in the new year. And so we thought it would make sense to talk about family food values and how to establish and implement them in our homes. So generally... If you're new to Modern Ancestral Mamas, we like to start every episode with a question related to the topic of the show. But today, because it's a new year and we've been on break for a really long time, Corey and I wanted to catch up and share what we did over the holidays. So you go first. We had a really um, kind of chill holiday season. It was it was pretty nice. Um, most of my family was back in Maryland. Um, most of mine and Ryan's family. So we didn't really see um, a lot of people, um, which was not great. I mean, we did miss everybody, but um, <laughs> I didn't mean that to sound like we didn't, you know, anyway, we, um, we missed seeing people, but it was also really quiet and um, peaceful. And it was just mostly just our family. My aunt came over Um my oven is broken right now, so we ended up Still making. Broken? Yeah. Um, oh shoot. Yeah, it's okay. It's I decided it's been yeah. So it broke right after Thanksgiving, and oh. so that's been like um over a month at this point. But the thing is, is that I decided I didn't actually want to replace it right away. Like I'd rather wait, do some research, figure out what I really, really want. Um, and then potentially have to save up for that, which is fine. Um, cause I'd rather just end up with something I really like rather than just going to Home Depot and just getting something that'll work. So anyway, so we have a hot plate, like we, um, and a, I, I bought a toaster oven, um, so I can make things in the oven, but because of that, we didn't really do a huge thing for Christmas. My aunt brought over some vegetables that she had roasted and then, uh, Ryan roasted a, um, what is that called? Um, a rack of, it's not a rack of ribs. It's like, um, what am I trying to say? 
Lamb? Beef roast? No, it was beef. Oh. But it had short the ribs, ribs in it. Short no, ribs. It's not short ribs because they like had the whole rib in it. A, ra- a rib roast. A rib roast. Right? Oh, okay. I think that's what it's called. But like okay. it was delicious. So that's it. That's pretty much our whole. Also, I slept on New Year's. I went to bed at like 10 o'clock. <laughs> Oh, girl, I hear you. I actually, well, first of all, I just want to say your holiday sounds actually amazing. I, I love stay at home holidays that are very peaceful and it's just kind of like your own nuclear family. It feels so connecting and nourishing and like you get to start your own, not start, but you get to follow your own personal family traditions. I don't know. I love it. That's so cool. Um, I hear you on the broken oven. I don't have a broken oven, but our gas range doesn't the, uh, what's it called? The starter doesn't work. So do you have to to use like matches or something? Yeah. So we have to use matches or a lighter and it's been like that for almost a year now. And my husband keeps saying, well, let's just get it fixed. But I've had two different guys come out and tell me it's not even worth getting fixed. It's going to cost you thousands of dollars just like replace the whole thing because apparently it's a really old range and they don't make this the parts for it anymore anyway all of this to say I totally know where you're coming from because we're just using a match to light every single time we cook a thousand times a day because I would rather just wait until I know for sure what I want than yeah. replace the range with just like something to hold me over yeah um so I get you on that one all right, so tell me about your not so quiet. I know, right? I <laughs> feel like mine was the total opposite. <laughs> um, so we did some international travel first time since you know COVID and all that fun stuff. Uh, and so this is actually my two-year-old's first time on an airplane, and that was that was really cute because he's just now started seeing them in the air and you know, like pointing them out. And so it was really cute to tell him that we were going to get on an airplane. Um, But yeah, so we went to Mexico City. My husband has family there and the kids have cousins there. And we were there for almost a full three weeks. And it was a long time. Yeah, that's a long trip. Yeah, I I was really excited about it initially. And I had fun. The trip had its ups and downs, but I had fun while I was there. And, and at the two-week mark, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I, I that was my max. You know, like I realized my max is about two weeks before I'm like, all right, it's time to get home. Do you guys um, stay with family when you do that? Yeah, we stay with family the whole time. Um, we stayed with his parents. And then his parents, once all the rest of my husband's family arrived, um, they had rented a ranch house in the countryside like of near Mexico City, so maybe like two hours outside of Mexico City, in a city called Atlitzco, and it is known for its flowers. So I guess a lot of people from Mexico City and, and the surrounding areas will get their flowers from Atlitzco, so there's like tons of fields with lots of really beautiful flowers. Um we were in like a really big ranch house, old Mexican style ranch house. I mean, it was really cool. 
the range at that house was insane. It was probably like, <laughs> I don't know, 60 or 70 years old. And it, I should have taken a picture of it because it was so impressive and so beautiful. And I loved it. Um, but uh, yeah, it it was, it was, there was a lot on the trip. You know, we just, there was a lot of activities. Um, I admit that it's hard for me to relax a little bit when it comes to food and travel. Um, it took me maybe two weeks before I finally was like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Eat whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) I sort of learned to not just go down at breakfast time, um, towards the end of the trip and was like, I'm not even going to be there until after breakfast. You mean you like let your kids go down without you and you're like, I can't watch. I can't watch. (laughs) Yeah. Mostly because I can't watch because I'm, I'm, I just get triggered so easily. Yeah. But it was really good lessons learned for me. <laughs> I'm trying to keep these this so neutral, guys. I have so many thoughts, but I'm keeping this neutral. <laughs> um, I mean, but yeah. I, you know what, here, I'll say what the positives are. The positives are we came and there were so many positives. Don't get me wrong. Like really the, the connection aspect of like my kids being able to see their cousins, um, getting, you know, having their Spanish reinforced. There's, there were so many positives, but it was so nice to come back home and for them to pretty much beg me for chunks of butter to devour sauerkraut, to eat. I, my husband went to the grocery store and I was like, please buy fish eggs. He's like, what? You want me to buy salmon roe? I was like, yes, please buy salmon roe. You know, the baby's devouring salmon roe. And I was just like, oh, okay. It's okay. Like, we're going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) They're eating nutrient dense foods today. We had tongue and they all loved it. And I was like, okay, doesn't matter what they ate in Mexico. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm proud of you, Christine. Bravo. I know. Thank you. Well, there's so many things, right, that we could say. So, Corey, I I did post something while we were while we were there about my two year old eating his first lollipop. And I posted my thoughts around that. You can check that post out on Instagram. It's a picture of him eating a lollipop. He's Um, very cute. I know he is very cute. Uh. And I told Corey while we were there that they decorated their first gingerbread houses, which they had never done before. So that was an interesting experience. Uh, I I basically told them they weren't allowed to eat anything. (laughs) (laughs) Not basically. I did. I said, this is not for eating. This is just for decorating. We still uh, have my five-year-olds from co-op, her her little graham cracker gingerbread house i stuck it up in the closet in the like cabinet up high and she keeps asking me when do i get to eat that i'm like oh can i just throw it away oh that's so funny but it's got to be super nasty at this point my goal was to like let it sit there long enough that it would be like rock hard by the time she wanted to eat it maybe collect a little dust Mm -hmm. you know maybe there's a dead spider on it or something for sure there you go (laughs) No, no mold, because we know that that that's no, it won't mold. mold. No, nope. <laughs> Actually, the spider probably would avoid it too. So, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> All right. Anyway, enough of our holidays. 
let's get started on okay. family food values. This was actually a um, request po um, episode. So somebody asked us to talk about this. Hopefully we end up talking about what they were hoping to hear. Because um, a lot of time requests, requests come in and they're kind of vague, you know. Um, yeah. But we do love re requests. So if anybody has a request, send us a message or leave a review or something and we'll try and get to that. Um, okay. So today we are talking about family food values and how we, what ours are maybe, what, um, how to develop those and implement them. Um, so Christine, do you want to talk about um, what, maybe what your non-negotiables are? I think, I actually think that's a good place to start with non-negotiables. Yeah. So right before we started recording, we, I was kind of joking with Corey about how I was having a conversation with my husband about this episode and we realized, wait, have we ever even had a conversation about our family food values? <laughs> and he jokingly reminded me that we've never had a formal conversation about this. And I think that that's kind of an interesting place to start because this has kind of been a journey more than a, we're going to sit down and we're no longer going to eat X, Y, and Z, and we're going to incorporate X, Y, and Z food. It started out really gradual for me personally. Uh, it doesn't always start out that way for some people, but for me, it was more, I just started looking at ingredient labels and I decided I wasn't going to eat anything with five or more ingredients. And that's kind of how it started. And, and I, you know, because I was the one that was doing the majority of the grocery shopping and the meal planning and the meal preparation, it wasn't ever really anything that I formally discussed with my husband. It was just sort of like, well, I'm the one going to the grocery store and I'm just going to start buying these things. Um, and it progressed from there. So to say that we sat down and had a conversation about it on my end is actually, we've never done that. Uh, but I, but we're going to talk about this. We recommend that you do if you <laughs> want to. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So what are my non-negotiables? And, and I will say that this is something that through my education and over the years, I've taught my husband and we have discussed on a regular basis. And I would say our non-negotiables are definitely any vegetable oils. And, and that's not to say that, you know, he's perfect. Sometimes every once in a while, he'll come home with something that has vegetable oil and I'll just have to, you know, gently remind him, Hey, did you actually read the <laughs> ingredient labels? You missed one on this box. Um, but, uh, yeah, so for us, vegetable oils, non-negotiable as much as humanly possible. Um, when we were in Mexico, that was really difficult because I realized everything had vegetable oils in it. There, there is no health food section, or, or at least I have no idea where it is <laughs> in Mexico City. Um, pretty much everything had vegetable oils in it. So that was, that was really hard for me. Um, and, and I'm saying that because maybe anytime someone goes on travel, on travel, if, <laughs> if you ever travel, <laughs> And you realize that you're in a similar situation. There's some 
points in your life where you're just going to have to let it go. Um, so vegetable oils, uh, artificial food colors, definitely hard no, which is part of the reason, you know, we talked about the gingerbread house thing. Talked, I've talked about Halloween candy before. I, I really avoid artificial food colors as much as possible. Usually when I tell people that they are made with petroleum, that's enough for people to say, oh, geez, okay. Um, but yes, that's what helps hold the color in them. Uh, and then no high fructose corn syrup and no artificial sweeteners as well. Uh, I would say that those are my like non-negotiables when it comes to ingredients. But that's just ingredients because when we're talking about food values, there's so many different facets that you could cover. Yeah. What about you, Corey? I think, um, I think first of all, you're absolutely right. Like for me too, it's has been a gradual, a gradual thing. And I think that, you know, anytime that I learn something or discover something, I'll, I'll have a conversation with my husband, but I don't think we've ever sat down and said like, you know, these are our rules. And honestly, I don't think that would go over very well, um, with my (laughs) husband. Um, because he's very much of a, of, of a rebel and he doesn't want anybody to tell him what to do, which I totally respect. Um, actually it's like one of the really good things about him. Um, and he is always pushing back on me and saying like, um, challenging me to make sure that what I am proposing or researching or whatever is balanced. Um, so I actually really, really appreciate that about him. All that to say though, I, I, we have not had a formal conversation either. And I think probably most people haven't. Um, I think we'll probably get to that in a minute, but I, non-negotiables in, I don't, I have some that I won't buy, but I know that they get brought into my house um, sometimes. My husband doesn't go grocery shopping very often. If he goes, it'll be for, you know, he's got like friends coming over and they want to have whatever. Um, and and at that point, I'm just going to go, okay, you know, fine. And I know my kids will probably end up eating some of that stuff. And again, I have to just go, all right. Mm swallow your pride Corey um but in general it's the same deal like no industrial seed oils we try and avoid high fructose corn syrup artificial sweeteners actually artificial sweeteners are like an absolute 100% I will not put up with that and Ryan is on board with that too um and then the artificial colors yeah I mean pretty much the same my my please don't bring these into my house. Those are, those are the most ones. Yeah, that's, I think that's a good segue into the different maybe categories of family food values. So you have the category of ingredients and what ingredients would you like to avoid? Or you could look at it as what are the allowable ingredients if you want to, put a more positive spin on it. 
And then you also have the category of produce. You know, how do you feel about produce? Are you a family that needs organic produce only? Or can you, you know, maybe for budget constraints or um, whatever other purposes, you can do more of the dirty dozen clean 15. Um, Then there's the meat and dairy side of it. Uh, So you decide, okay, and where are we getting our meat and dairy? Are we doing this from farmers only? Are we doing purchasing in bulk? Are we purchasing from the grocery store? And if so, what can we get from the grocery store? And then the same goes for dairy. The same goes for eggs. Um, So I do think that there's so many different layers to establishing family food values. And it is possible, like you said, to sit down and have a formal conversation about this. Um, Or for it to end up being more like a journey and you kind of chip away at it as you can. So as I mentioned before, I didn't start, I was still buying meat from the grocery store or, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't buy raw milk myself. I'm trying to think. I definitely, I don't think I had access to raw milk in New York. I didn't start having access to raw milk until, um, I moved to Illinois. I, I, I know that there was, there were, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I think all of this depends on where you live and, and that kind of thing. I think there's also another um, aspect to this that we sort of mentioned but didn't highlight, and, and that is budget. And I think that at least my husband, your husband might be the same way because they're both in the financial field. Um, budget is a big deal, especially right now. Um and I know a lot of people because I've been posting more about budgeting on my Instagram and I know a lot of people have been saying like, you know, we really need to have more of these conversations um, because there's there's kind of a, um, a privilege in the health community that that like an unspoken privilege that we don't talk about a lot. Anyway, I think budgeting is one of those. Um, values that is connected to food. And if your husband or you is more, um, I keep saying husband, it could just be like any partner, right? Either of the partners um, is highly concerned about budgeting and being within a certain, you know, bracket. There needs to be a conversation about, you know, here's, here's what I'm willing to give up to be able to prioritize buying this this um, nutrient-dense food, you know. Um, I think that is a perfectly fine conversation to have with your partner. And I think when it comes to having a conversation with your partner about food values, budgeting, whatever, there needs to be a lot of mutual respect that's happening because it can get, you know, it could potentially be not an easy conversation if it's something that one person is very passionate about and the other person is sort of oppositely passionate about it um, or passionate about it from the money standpoint and doesn't really care or see the value in the food, um, there needs to be hopefully a respectful conversation that happens there where everybody can be feel heard and um, have their opinions valued. Yeah. 
There, okay, so I have two thoughts. The first is I had read a stat a while ago. I, I, I'll have to look it up. So Corey and I are definitely doing budgeting episodes coming up in the spring. So stay tuned for that. But I had read this stat that had said, I think it was maybe almost 70 years ago, something like that, or 80 years ago, that Americans were spending 20% of their take-home pay on food. 20. 20%. That's huge. That's a huge amount of your take-home pay on food. And I want to say now it's like 3% or something like that. I mean, it's Yeah, I saw that too. Um, and I think that's really important to highlight because, you know, and, and I mean, I'm guilty of it too. You know, I have Netflix and I have Spotify and I have my iPhone and I have, um, I, you know, I'm just going to name off a few other things that people might have. I don't know, like an HBO account, a, uh, I, whatever it is. Okay. You drive your car. Yeah. A yeah. Lot you more drive than people car. did before. Um, you have your daily coffee at your coffee shop. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, all of these are extra, um, extra categories that you're spending money on that could be used towards more towards food. Um, clothes, shoes. Yeah. We all have like guilty. Um, (laughs) well, no, but like, if you think about it, I had this conversation with a friend of mine recently. Um, like think about how many things we don't need in our lives, like literally don't need. They're nice to have, you know, but we don't need them. I mean, I bought I bought a book the other day. Did I need to buy that book? No. Could I have gotten from the library? Yeah. You know, like I have five extra blankets that are just for my couch. Do I need those blankets? No. <laughs> I don't. Are they nice to have? Absolutely. But they're not necessary. A couch, for the love of goodness, a couch is not necessary. Like... <laughs> it's very nice to have (laughs) but it's not necessary like the things that are necessary on the floor (laughs) right no but seriously no i know i mean we were we've read a lot of historical fiction recently with my kids and you know the ingles lived in a single room house their source of heat and cooking was a fireplace like not even a stove a fireplace they had one table that functioned as ma's prep cooking area and then where they sat to eat together and then their chairs were what they had from the table or the children just stood there to eat like they got laura got an orange for christmas and was thrilled about it like that's it yeah don't even yes yes i have thought about that particular part of the book many times right um I mean I, that is the world that we live in right now which is a world of excess yeah um, I think I think we all recognize that and yet we are very comfortable which I'm 
hundred percent. I like being comfortable. I like my couch and my five blankets and my book that I can take three years to read because I don't have to return it to the library. Yeah, totally. Oh man. Um, so in addition to this conversation, because this is just an interesting one, but so one of the other things my husband was telling me he was educating me on was that there is, okay, so there's a difference between price and value and they're not always the same thing. And price can sometimes reflect the value of something, but not always. And so this goes into, this ties into family food values because basically we have to think about what do we value and what you value is something that you might be willing to spend more money on or time or both, or maybe not. And so that's kind of what you have to decide as a family is what is important to you and what are you willing to spend more time or money on? Um, and so he you know, as we were having this conversation, we realized that, so there's two different aspects to the value of the food that we choose to purchase and eat. The first is the nutrient density side of it. And, you know, why, why am I getting salmon roe when I'm in landlocked Texas and I should not have access to Alaskan salmon roe? <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, because it is the most, one of the most nutrient dense foods that I can feed my family. And so I'm optimizing for nutrient density by choosing to spend an absurd amount of money on salmon roe. Um, and then the other is the, the farm side of this is the kind of the cause. And that is we're choosing to support farmers because number one, we're supporting the local economy. Number two, these are, you know, depending on the farm that you buy from, they are the true environmentalists. They are the ones regenerating the soil, creating the topsoil, bringing biodiversity back into the ground, um, providing nutrient-dense foods for us with these animals. And that is what we value, and so that is what we're spending our money on. We're choosing with our dollars to say, I'm going to opt for the regenerative agriculture meat versus the CAFO confined and what is it? Confined animal uh, and feedlot operation. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah feedlot operation versus the CAFO meat. Um, so I thought that that was an interesting tidbit or uh yeah that that's something that I look forward to discussing more especially when we go into the budget episode because there's a lot more to say about this yeah but I wanted to bring that up for when you're deciding your family food values this is one way that you're looking at it um yeah I think that there's I think actually my husband came to it more from that side than from the health standpoint. He's, he definitely, you know, was interested in the health stuff less so than me, a lot less so. But um, <laughs> I think 
that's one of the reasons that, I mean, that's one of the reasons that we bought land, you know, so that we can be um, kind of doing that ourselves to a very, on a very, very small scale. Um, but, you know, that's obviously how that evolved for both me and my husband together. And again, like without having a, a formal conversation about our food values it's just kind of become like an unspoken thing um and I think that's that's actually a good thing to recognize too is that it it does it can evolve for you but it can also evolve for your partner um probably through watching what you're up to and what you're learning and sharing with them um yes that is definitely true because I, I mean, I'm so grateful for my partner, <laughs> my husband. Um, but he has mentioned to me on several occasions after family trips or after maybe going over to someone's house, um, he'll come home and he'll say, I am so grateful for the way that we are feeding our kids. I'm so grateful for the way that we're raising our children. I'm so grateful for the fact that we're walking down this path together. And that's, you know, of his own, of his own accord voluntarily. I think he's realizing that the way that we've decided to do things while very difficult and completely contrary to the conventional modern world, it's actually making a difference in our family life. Yeah. I think that that's, I think maybe the point of this, you know, is not necessarily like what we, what we won't do, what we will do, what we won't do. It's more a, you know, almost, almost a, I don't, I don't want to give like relationship advice. Right. But like, almost a making sure that you're coming together to do something bigger than yourselves, right? Because raising a family, having kids, that's something that's, that's outside of you. And being in a, in a, in a marriage relationship is something that is outside of you. And, um, it's, it's takes a lot to to take step outside of yourself and be able to incorporate other people and value other people and um do you know the best for other people that you can do together with another person <laughs> yeah there's a lot of give and take and collaboration obviously yeah i, I mean i feel like that's what being in a marriage or a partnership is and raising people, raising little people. Um, and that's interesting because I, I actually think that that's what a lot of what food encompasses. Food encompasses family traditions and memories and so many different experiences. That's food is an emotional uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like an emotional experience. And 
so often as kids, we have memories of certain meals or maybe not even the meal, but just making that meal with a loved one or sitting down and enjoying that meal. Um, And so I think when it comes to talking about family food values, all of this, the traditions, the memories, the experiences, they are all a part of whatever family food values you decide to implement in your family. Um, Because like think about if you decide to have any traditions surrounding food during holidays um, or birthdays too. For example, in my home, my my kids get to pick their birthday breakfast meal, their birthday dinner meal, and then their birthday like treat, whatever that they choose. Um, and so that's a fun little tradition that we've created. And but what yeah. does your son choose? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've mentioned this before. Um, he has a birthday coming up in February, but he has already told me told me like two months ago three months ago that he wants donuts and this is like the third year in a row right this that he's is the wanted third donuts. year in a row third <laughs> year in a row that he's wanted donuts and he wants me to make them he always wants me to make them last year I did not make them I bought them because I was so overwhelmed with making them again and he told me this year that he did not want me to buy them he didn't like the store-bought ones he wanted me to make them so oh. I, have a, I have a month to master sourdough donuts. <laughs> oh boy. I know, right? <laughs> because both times I've made them, they've been all right. They've been okay. Not like, not amazing. But yeah, oh. anyway. I hate making donuts story. like that. Like frying, are you frying them? Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, I hate doing that. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so messy. It's messy, and I am not good at it. (laughs) (laughs) The first year I burnt them. The second year, yeah, they came out like super dark brown, but no one complained. I mean, he loved them. (laughs) Obviously, yeah, no, clearly, they made an impression on him. Um, that's really sweet, though. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm it it definitely it tickles me pink inside that he like wants me to make this for him I think it's so sweet my kids begged me to make um uh toaster strudels <laughs> for because I did it I did it last year for my husband's there birthday is, there's a butter for all recipe I know I can make Have- them um but I can't there's nowhere down here that I can buy puff pastry made with butter. When we lived in Maryland, I could buy puff oh. pastry made with butter. Not even online? You can't have it shipped to you? Uh, maybe if it was like frozen, they shipped it. I feel like that'd be super expensive. Amazing. So now I'm at the point, I'm like, should I just suck it up and learn how to make puff pastry? Because it's been on my oh. list for like five years or something and I keep saying I'm gonna learn how to make sourdough puff pastry but oh man I really want to and then I also really don't want to (laughs) that's your challenge for 2023 Corey learn puppy yeah Hmm. you know what you could do you could just ask ballerina farm 
say, hey, I want you to come up with a puff pastry recipe. Um, I have a puff pastry recipe for sourdough. That is, oh, wow. it's in the sourdough school sweets oh. cookbook, I think. Um, Do you need a special machine for that? Because it doesn't have to be super thin. I mean, it would definitely help if you had, it's called a sheeter, I think, a sheeter. But there's no way I'm getting one. No, you can make puff pastry by hand, um, but it would definitely make it easier if you had I think you're right. It is called a sheeter. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like an industrial machine. Like I'm not going to buy one of those for my for my kitchen unless I plan on opening a restaurant, which is not happening. Um, Actually, you know what? Speaking of restaurants, we should we should talk about that for a second. Um, Like when you go out to restaurants, you're fairly certain you're not going to be able to stick with all of your non-negotiables. So what do you do, Christine? Um, <laughs> we didn't put this on the outline, guys. Yeah. Sorry. Man, I mean, it's just kind of like it all goes out the window. It's like, well, <laughs> nothing I can do about that. Um, no, that's not true. I, I mean, honestly, I think what? There's one restaurant in the U.S. that's actually hits all the Weston A. Price criteria. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which is Modern Stone Age Kitchen. So if you live near there in Maryland, Chesterton, go. It's advantage. on the Eastern Shore. So it's on Eastern the other Shore. side of the Bay Bridge. There you go. Corey knows. <laughs> um, anyway, no, what, what do we do? Honestly, there's nothing that I can do about it because even if a restaurant says that they don't cook with industrial seed oils, they still use olive oil or they still use avocado oil. And I mean, yes, those are better, but they're not actually cooking in lard or tallow or butter like I would love. Uh, and and it's it's hard because also the restaurant, how are they sourcing their food? How are they are they properly preparing their grains? I mean, there's so many different levels to this. So it's not really possible. So what we do is try to not eat out as much. Um, and, you know, if, if budget is a constraint don't eat out. It's so expensive to eat out. I, I know that there's this misconception that fast food is cheaper, but it is not. It is not cheaper. Um, well, yes and no, right? Because like if you're buying regular conventional food at the grocery store, it absolutely is cheaper. At the grocery store? No, it's cheaper. Well, convenience food definitely can be cheaper. Like I was in the grocery store the other day and I went down the fat, the frozen food aisle and there's a bag of potatoes, you know, totally already done French fry potatoes for like 50 cents. You can't buy that many potatoes for that same price. You just can't. However, like if you're, if you're doing a fair price comparison with like, you know, avoiding industrial seed oils and um, organic potatoes and all of that stuff, then it probably is a lot closer. But yeah. Yeah. That's something that is, is a little bit, I think there's, I think in the health community, people say that a lot and it's not necessarily true depending on what you're eating. 
anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have to make sure that you're actually comparing like apples to apples and not, right. Yeah. Um, no, but you're right. Like if you're going to, if you were going to make a hamburger, it's going to be a lot less expensive to make a hamburger than it is to go buy a hamburger. Yes, definitely. It's, yeah. Especially if it's a regular sit down restaurant versus a, um, at home. Yeah. Yeah. Versus at home. Um, I had lost my train of thought. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. So now I remember, yeah, we focus on protein. So, you know, letting, don't, we avoid the kids menu. Um, talk about, okay, here are the different protein options. Which one sounds the most delicious to you? Um, and yeah, we really don't eat out as much. Uh, it happens a lot more when we're traveling and, or if there happens to be a family member in town and there's for whatever reason, maybe a special event or I don't know, something like that. Um, but the, like the eating out budget is not, it's not something that happens all the time. Um, and I feel like that could even go into the budget episode too. So yeah, maybe this is a crossover episode. <laughs> I know, right? I feel like we're talking a lot about budget. Okay. So we also want to make sure that we cover discussing family food values with your extended family members. And we think that this is especially important if you happen to have family members, personal, so children or maybe yourself or your partner are on a healing journey, if they're on a healing protocol of some sort, if they have any food sensitivities, obviously food allergies, these three big categories are when you absolutely would have this conversation with extended family members. Um, I think, Corey, you and I both kind of have similar stories where we had a child that was on the GAPS diet at some point or um, had to eliminate gluten. And so this was a conversation that we had to have with extended family members of, this is not something we can do. This is not a food that our child can eat. You know, please respect this. Take this seriously. Um, And that's just a matter of actually sitting down with the people who are most closely in contact with your children on a regular basis and explaining to them why these foods are not allowed and why you're going down this path um, so that they understand. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that um, at least in my experience with older family members, they're, they're, this is a conversation that doesn't happen only one time. Um, it's just something that you probably will continually have to do. And um, depending on the, the person or their personality, um, they may not understand what, you know, just saying gluten is. Like a lot of people actually don't understand what gluten is. And I'm just saying like, and this is my personal thing, right? My daughter was gluten intolerant for years. And there are still people who don't in our inner circle, essentially, that don't know or understand what gluten is, where it comes from, what it could potentially be in. Um, we get questions like, well, can she can she have chicken? I'm like, yeah, she can have chicken. Like, it's what? Um, <laughs> but 
but that's just like an honest, like they don't understand. So things that I made sure to do with those people was every single time we would be going over to their house, you know, don't worry about it. I will bring food for her or very specifically, this is what you can have for her. If you want to buy something like this is the brand, this is like, I'll send you a screenshot of like what it looks like, you know, this is where you can find it in the grocery store. Um, that kind of thing, because I think the burden is on you as the parent or the caregiver, not on that person. And, and, and as soon as you relinquish control of that to them, you have, um, then you're stuck with what, with what they do. So I think it's always, if that is your situation, you have got to be proactive about it and have a backup plan or be very, very specific. Yeah. I love that idea of sending them screenshots or, giving them a very specific brand of what to buy. I think kind of along the same lines would be maybe actually having a piece of paper typed out with the brands and the specifically what it is that you're trying to avoid, um, have it written out because you are so right that number one, you're going to have to repeat yourself a lot. And this is not to get frustrated, but this is because for people who are not used to this, they truly don't understand it. Um, and so you will have to reiterate over and over again, it's likely, uh, why certain foods can't be eaten. And, and I think what goes along with this as well is updating family members on the health journey. So saying, okay, we are, I don't know, we have another month of this supplement, let's just say, and this stage of gaps maybe, and then we're moving on to X, Y, and Z. Um, So maybe Mm -hmm. letting family members know that there is an end in sight or we're doing this until said date and then we're stopping. Um, For me personally, I had an incident where a grandparent actually saw firsthand the effects of what gluten did to my daughter and she realized oh my goodness, like Christine isn't lying about this. This is not something that she's making up or it's a control thing. Like it actually makes her really sick. And I'll never forget, my my mom actually told me, oh, wow, um, you're right. I, you know, I, I'm going to be really good about this. I'm going to be really careful about this. Um, and that felt, you know, that was validation on my end of like, yes, I've been telling you this all along. <laughs> this is what I've been trying to tell you. It's, I'm, it's not like I'm doing this just for fun. It makes my my child very sick. Um, this was several years, many, I want to say maybe three or four years ago. But, but yeah, so having those, um, if there's a moment where an extended family member actually sees how it can make your child sick, then that kind of can be like a wake up call too. Um, This is actually also really important to remember um, for birthday parties and things like that. Like it is on you to provide food for your children. If you're not going to partake in the food provided at the party. Um, Yes, totally. Yeah. I know we've talked about this a lot probably on this show, so I don't think we need to keep going into that. But, you know, if it's important to you, then be the one that 
that takes that on and don't expect, do not expect anybody else to cater to your diet and lifestyle choices. Like that is absolutely not okay. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And don't take it personally if they don't. Yeah. Okay. I think the other thing we really do need to talk about is how do we, um, effectively have conversations with our kids about this, about our family food values, you know, say we've, say we've had a conversation with our partners, we have kind of outlined our non-negotiables or our, maybe not non-negotiables, but our, our values, you know, and what we are prioritizing in our meals and in our kitchens. How do we then have a conversation with our kids about this? I love this part. Um, yeah, definitely. I think this works better for slightly older kids. So maybe let's say like five and up ish. Uh, but yes, have a conversation with your kids and similar to extended family members. This will be, this is not so much of a conversation as an education. And this is something that you will continue for the rest of their lives. Just explaining why it is that we're eating this way. And you can choose to discuss the body aspect of it. We're eating this way because these are foods that are nourishing our body. They're helping our brains. They're helping us grow. They help us feel better. Um, And you can also tie in the environmental and, um, yeah, you you can tie in that aspect as well. These are foods that come straight from the farmer versus depending on how old your kids are, you can even go through the whole supply chain of, you know, from the food to the, um, the, the plant that it goes to, um, then to the truck, then to, you know, the airplane, then to the, the next, the power or the plant in the next country, wherever it is. And then the grocery store, you know, I mean, there's like a huge long chain before the food actually gets to your plate if you're getting it from, I don't know, a normal grocery store or something. Um, But having, yeah, having that conversation with your kids about where the food comes from and why it matters to eat food that's close to you and where you live, that, that whole conversation. I think, does Homegrown Education have, talk about any of that in her curriculum? Yeah, she does. Um, I think she does a really good job talking about that. There's also, you know, a lot of documentaries that are really good for that sort of thing that are fine for kids. Um, what is that? Biggest Little Farm is a really good one for kids. Um, and I mean, there's a bunch of other ones out there too for maybe older, slightly older kids and teenagers. Um, I think, I think having for a formal conversation about this kind of thing is, is great. But I also think that this is a conversation that can happen um, pretty much at every meal. Like, you know, um, even just, even just talking about things like, oh, you know, this, this has a really nice um, umami flavor to it. Right. And then you're having a conversation about, well, what does that mean? And where does that flavor come from? And, um, Or, you know, talking about sauerkraut and the reason that we eat sauerkraut with, you know, almost every meal is because it helps our body to digest things and it 
um, you know, just all of these sorts of conversations or like, if you don't, if you, you're, you're growing a garden, you can have that conversation about, oh, this is, you know, um, lettuce that we, that we grew right here in our backyard. This is, okay, side note, this is absolutely imperative for kids that are younger, especially, or any picky eaters. This mm-hmm. constant exposure, and then we've talked about the importance of consistent exposure and doing it over and over again, and part of the exposure to foods is talking about them. It's educating our kids on, like Corey said, what does umami mean? What are the foods that have umami flavor? It's talking about the sauerkraut and why it's good for our bodies and how it's made and, you know, the enzymes that it's producing in our digestive system, everything. This is all exposure and this is all necessary so that our kids are familiar with what is on their plate and more receptive and open to eating it. Yeah. I was, and going back a little bit, we had taught, we, you know, briefly mentioned homegrown education. Also, I think the Nourishing Traditions children's book also has a few educational pieces in there about, oh, this is why we're eating fats or this is why we're eating pastured meats. And that's something that you can read with your kids along, you know. Yeah. I think those are all really good resources. And then teaching them how to cook is also, and including them in your kitchen is also really good for, A, for picky eating, but also to have those conversations about why we, um, you know, are are buying eggs from our local farm um, or why we are, you know, why does our meat not come with a fancy label? Like... <laughs> like other ones do um or why do we drive out of our way to get milk um you know in like a parking lot or whatever (laughs) I know right under a bridge right yeah (laughs) um but this yeah this is like you said this this is something that happens every day three times a day if they're home with you seven days a week this is a constant food education. And yeah, this is this is what empowers them in their in their future lives to be able to carry on these family food values throughout the rest of their life. Yep. Um I feel like we've covered a lot. We've covered talking with our partners. We've covered talking with family members. We've covered talking with our kids. Um, developing our own personal values, food values. We have anything else to add to this? We hit it all, man. <laughs> we were. We did a good job. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, that being said, if there is an additional comment or a request that any listeners have on this topic, let us know. 
because we're always we are all you know we love having these conversations with our listeners yeah absolutely um yeah no that's all i have (laughs) i think that's it i think that's it for tonight (laughs) all Um, right cool Guys, thanks for joining us for the first episode of 2023. Yeah, wild, right? I know. I can't believe it. It it feels really weird to say 2023. What? What is this nonsense? My kids are constantly talking about how I was born in the 80s. And that was yeah. a wild time is what they say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... Dang. <laughs> I I was actually alive before the internet. Do you know you weren't technically the internet was invented in the 40s. So Wait, what? Yeah, like the early version of the internet was invented somewhere like it, with um connection to World War 2. I didn't know that. Yeah. You sure about that? Yes, but not like the Bill Gates internet, not like that. Like oh. like some sort of something about I don't know, somehow like the connecting things with communication or something. I don't know. Um, A radio? <laughs> no. A radio? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Um no, but it's I yeah, the first time I heard that I was like, Are you kidding me? But it's not like what we think of. It's not like, you know, what we're doing now on the internet. <laughs> well, where obviously. we can see each other. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um No, yeah, okay. This is so so far off topic. Um yeah. we're, we're we're not okay, yeah, you guys can just fast forward. We're done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> But I am going to look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. There um, you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Speaking of show notes, that's my job. I slacked for a few episodes on that, but I'll get back on it. And um, don't forget to rate and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you listen on your podcast app. Leave us comments. Please leave us comments. We really, 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 really like them. And DM us if you want. Yeah. Actually, I got a DM a few days ago about someone saying, um, oh, hey, are you the one that was interested in mocktails? And I kind of laughed. and was like, I don't think I posted about mocktails. I think that was me. That was me. (laughs) Which I got to the point where I was like, Pretty much this is just juice. <laughs> yeah. I know. So. I, I don't. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing that we were going to say is you can find Corey on Instagram at. For nutrient sake. For nutrient sake. Don't we already say this? I think you say this at the end. I think this is like a pre-recorded thing. Oh, yeah. No, I think you're right. This is in our okay, pre-recorded right. thing. Ahead. But you can also find Christine at. At Nourish Littles, just to make it yeah. even. There you go. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> All I right, guys. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Modern Ancestral Mamas. Check out the show notes for the resources. You can find Christine on Instagram at NourishTheLittles and online at NourishTheLittles.com. You can find Corey on Instagram at ForNutrientSake and online at ForNutrientSake.com. Follow us on Instagram at Modern Ancestral Mamas. The information contained in this show is for informational purposes only. It should not be intended as medical advice and should not replace your relationship with your healthcare practitioner.